Welcome to another episode of CU Lead, sponsored by NetGiver, the app and platform that enables donors and nonprofits to give and receive on a no-fee basis. On this podcast, we feature credit union industry executives and the impacts they make on communities everywhere. I am Glenn Frischat, and today I am joined by Rich Kump. Rich is the president and CEO of UMass Credit Union, headquartered in Western Massachusetts, specifically Northampton. Rich, you and I have chatted a couple of times, but never in a formal way like we are today. So it's a pleasure to do this with you. Yeah, pleasure to get you know a little better. Well, uh, this is a pretty cool conference so far. It feels like they're rolling out the red carpet for us. This is pretty big. It is. You know, it's like a little mini governmental affairs conference, right? You've got the vendors here. You've got all sorts of peers. You talk to credit union industry leaders. It's a uh, it's a show I don't like to miss. Okay, well, cool. So you've just mentioned GAC then. Is this an annual for you? Yes, yes. And in fact, it's become very popular for our directors as well. Last year, uh, all but one of our directors went to GAC uh, with a handful of our C-suite executives. All right, now here comes the million-dollar question. Is it a boondoggle for directors? Is it just one cool event to put on the calendar each year? Or do you find they get a lot out of it? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think there are some credit unions and some volunteers that take advantage of the uh, the venue and all the great food that you're you're invited to, to party with. And uh, However, our directors, um, they're from academia, right? So they in their dna they want to learn so that they go to every session like their 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 calendar is completely full different things but they get a lot of value at it and it's nice to have it in such a kind of a social atmosphere right because you know we're bonding together we're meeting other credit union leaders uh bonding with them uh some of the uh some of the attractions that i call it you know some of the uh the presentations are uh, heartwarming. Uh, it's not just, you know, hard-nosed business. It is about creating community and learning. And so, yeah, we've gotten a lot out of it. And at the same time, we have a lot of fun. And then when the program cease at 5 or 6 o'clock, we have a lot more fun. <laughs> that I understand very well. It, you're not getting much sleep in Washington, D.C., first week of March of every year. No, it, it is, uh, it's always troubling to me because I'm a guy who needs his sleep. You know, I'm not one of these people who can live on four hours a night. Uh, and, you know, going to bed at 11.30 midnight, and then, of course, you're up at, uh, early for a 7 o'clock breakfast or whatever. So That's true. Um, I come back from that, I'm pretty much wiped out to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> well, we're going to do our best here at this mini GAC to not make that true. We'll get you in bed by 1145. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, since you and I do know one another, uh, as you talk a little bit about your journey through Credit Union Nation, uh, I will have heard that from you before, but our listeners will not have. Would you do that favor for me? Just talk a little bit about all your time spent inside of this industry. Sure. Have you run into a CEO who doesn't like to talk about himself? Never. Right? It never happens. And, um, you know, I've, next May, I'll be celebrating my 40th year in the credit union industry. Amazing. Uh, worked at three credit unions. First one was St. Mary's Bank, the nation's first credit union. And that was a great place to really cut my teeth. 
uh, because that was, you know, the history was seeped, steeped in history and the mission was strong. And so I, I lived that, I moved, that was a, what I would consider now a large credit union. Uh, they're probably pushing about two billion. And I went to a small credit union, only 30 million. And uh, that was uh, the Cathedral Credit Union. I was, I spent five and a half years there after 12 plus years at St. Mary's. And uh, the beauty of the small credit union is, um, first of all, if you put into motion uh, new projects, new programs, you can immediately see, visualize the results because it is, you're quick to, to market and you're very, um, you have to wear a lot of hats, right? And so uh, I worked for a CEO there. I was uh, uh, number two person at that smaller credit union and he just liked his investments and his accounting. Great, and I could handle everything else from marketing, HR, IT, retail, mortgage. Um, and so that was, I think, probably a pivotal part of my career because I learned so much in so many areas. Um, and then um, I took a, took a job at UMass Five College Credit Union. That was about 22 years ago. Uh, about five years ago, um, I was promoted to CEO. And so that's when I really started understanding you know, what leadership meant. I thought uh, I knew a lot of things before I became the CEO, but I was only a cog in the machine. And now it's that the entire machination was under my direction and the responsibility, um, but also the, you know, the, the pure joy of seeing, uh, you know, some of your employees blossom, um, you know, move up the chain and really become their own leader. And so it's been a, it's been a great journey for me. I've uh, never been in the banking world, just in the credit union world. And, uh, you know, I'll be retiring in three, a little over three years, uh, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, I will have uh, just fulfilled a, a lifetime, a lifelong uh, dream. And it, that's really what it has been for me. I've achieved uh, what I've wanted to. Uh, this is the pinnacle of my career. And I'm grateful, really, for every minute, uh, the tough times with the, with the good ones. You know what I love about all the things that you've just described as this has been a significant journey for you over 40 years? I'm going to paraphrase and put words in your mouth, and I apologize if I don't have this correct, but it's almost as though you've not stopped learning at any point along the way. And in particular, you just highlighted the fact that true leadership for you happened when you became a CEO. That's not something that I hear every day. I appreciate the humility in the answer. Well, you know, when I was 28, I thought I knew everything there was to know in the world, right? And I think that's, uh, that happens because you're young and ambitious and you're learning things and things come easy and naturally. Um, and then at some point you kind of get into management and you realize, oh, geez, there's a lot of sausage making behind the scenes that I didn't know about. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it, it really didn't dawn on me, like I said, until as a CEO, um, you know, I always, I thought leadership was leading by example, you know, working really hard um, and, you know, being productive for your organization, making sure they're thriving in the area that you're responsible for. When I came CEO, um, it was more of a shepherding role, right? Um, make sure the direction of the credit union is good. Uh, understand that 
a good leader delegates. Um, I always thought delegating was pushing work off on somebody else. But you know what? You just I always enjoyed getting a juicy project that was hard. And I wanted to be the guy that the, you know that the CEO came to when he when he or she had a problem. Um, and so when I became CEO, it um, I realized that, and it took a little bit. It's really all about people. I mean, it is you know the the job of CEO is you know you, you have fiduciary responsibilities, you have responsibilities to your membership and you know, have good data systems and all that, but it's mentoring people. It is finding good people that are willing to be mission-driven and, you know, follow the path. Um, and the the thing that I think has been most helpful to me is I have managers that are comfortable in challenging me. And uh, I find that their ideas tend to be better than mine. <laughs> and so, you know, they're their willingness uh, to challenge and to, you know, stretch your neck out a little bit. It's exactly what I want uh, in, you know, in a division leader. Is it becoming more difficult to find and recruit talented people in what's become this post-COVID world? Is it harder, Rich? Or did you just have to look deeper? You know what? I think it's really easy because so many institutions... Um, have almost created a management versus staff scenario, become siloed by division. Um, you know, I when I became CEO, it was such a joyful day for me. Um, and I remember I, it was just before Father's Day, I was able to send my dad, uh, who was a, uh, a, ref, a World War II refugee, kind of came over with his family, his shirt on his back kind of story, right? And on his Father's Day card, you know, I wrote that, hey, I became CEO. And in good, the primary reason for that is because of work ethic that you instilled in me. Amazing. You know, and I still get choked up about it. I probably can hear it in my voice. But, you know, as I was saying it early, you know, I said, what am I going to stand for? You know, what is going to be my moniker? What, is, what do I want to leave behind for those that are following me? And really... Uh, two two causes, if you will. Uh, one is transparency. Um, transparency with our staff, transparency with our members. So much today is couched in, you know, predetermined statements, mm. um, and you're not speaking from the heart anymore. Uh, there is almost no secret, no secrets at our credit union. Uh, I, in fact, um, we just approved our strategic plan for. Uh, the next three years. Uh, we went through that whole thing with our mid-management team, and I'm starting up uh, 10 little staff sessions to go through our strategic plan with every single employee, yeah. right? And I see other credit units, they take their strategic plan, they hold it close to the vest, and they don't share it, right? You know, it should be the opposite. And so that's what I mean by transparent. If something isn't going well, we, I explain why. I don't try to come up with an excuse for it. And I'll tell you, that goes a long way. And the culture that we have developed, um, people aren't afraid to make a mistake, right? And and so we have been very fortunate and have been able to not only attract but retain our top talent. Um, so I, you know, I have focused on really improving the benefits that we have. Um, we have 26 
supervisors and managers at the credit union, 21 of those were promoted into their position. And that includes me, includes my chief operating officer, includes my CFO, it includes my VP of retail. Um, and, you know, and I think that the staff has to see that opportunity. You do need to bring in new blood because you want to bring in, you know, some new experiences, some new ways of doing business. Uh, so that is critical. Um, but for the most part, we found it best to take the, the raw talent, the personalities that, you know, fit our culture and then train them and build them. And, uh, you know, just the educational benefits we have, um, you know, we we provide $5,400 a year. Anybody wants to go to school, college, trade school, anything tied to business, accounting, IT, um, we want to pay for that because those people are learning, they're staying on board, um, and they're contributing, and they understand where we're going. Um, and our mission is clear, uh, and it has, uh, it has just been a, uh, an absolute joy and thrill ride to be at the head of this ship um, we are in an area where there's a lot of great talent because there is, we have the flagship campus of UMass. We have four of the great colleges that, that are our sponsors. Um, so there is a constant influx of young talent coming in. But a, a, a bigger challenge, if you will, given such a hyper competitive environment is keeping those employees. I mean, let's face it. If you were out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm not going to pick on any state because this is a national podcast, uh, but if you were out in the middle of nowhere, it's a little easier to retain your talent because you're not faced with competition. So I'd like to take a leap here, and I, I think I'm right, but I'd like for you to tell us a little bit more as we dig a couple inches deeper into community giving. My guess is there's motivation on the part of your very loyal employee base to go out and serve the community. They're not just employees and come to work at the credit union every day. They're going above and beyond and giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. Do I have that right? Yeah, Glenn, thank you very much for pointing that out. Yes, you know, when we talk about giving back to the community, there's give back to the membership, right? And that's always in our minds and how are, what's your give back to your membership? And we're still a seg-based credit union. We're a multi-sponsor uh, credit union, federal charter. Um, and, you know, for quite a few years, I felt our, the community that we had to work with were our sponsor groups, right? And working with them, what's important to them, helping them out. Um, and I kind of turned a little bit of a blind ear to the, the more of the macro community, you know, the the, the towns, the, uh, the, you know, the, the charities that are within there. Um, but uh, I've learned that, you know, whether you're a single sponsored credit union, whether you're multi-sponsored, like or if you're community chartered credit union, um, you know, you have to be willing to be part of that greater community. And, uh, you know, financial institutions long been known for writing the check, right? Deep pocket. So every nonprofit, every T-ball team, you know, looking to a bank or a credit union. The thing I think that separates us um, is we don't just write the check. We show up. And so I think that is um, 
that is critical is showing up. Don't just write the check, but show up, get your hands dirty. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, you represent good. As you said, the root of it and the heart of it is all coming from a good place and that unto itself ought to be applauded. Maybe a good place for us to end. And here's what I think about us. I think we could probably sit here for two hours. You yeah, and yeah, Glenn, and, and you're just so easy to talk to. And thank <laughs> you. And NetGiver, you know, we got to make sure we plug that because it's a wonderful program. I think it can really uh, help with uh, raising some of these critical dollars that these, uh, these charities uh, need so desperately now. Oh, thank money you. was free for a little while there during COVID, but now it's drying up and it's getting tougher for people to get by with inflation and whatnot. So thank you. It is more challenging. Uh, well, I appreciate both the compliment and saying thank you, but this is this is definitely our mission. Uh, but here's a place I'd love to end. Going to get a little personal here for just a moment. I like to give back to my guests for taking the time to talk with me to plug an organization perhaps that is personal for you mm-hmm. that may not be credit union oriented. Mm-hmm. Is there one that you'd like to talk about? Well, I have to talk one on both sides, right? Um, and I would say the MS Foundation, multiple sclerosis. My wife is stricken with MS. And uh, so that is a very personal um, appeal for me and make sure that we give um, because the medicine, the research has helped her tremendously. Um, so that's on the personal side. On the on the business side, um, the community involved in sustaining agriculture, um, they're the buy local folks. They support local agriculture. Uh, they preserve the local food economy. Um, they ensure that uh, the folks that have trouble getting nutritious meals uh, have ways to do that, and. Uh, we partner with them with a, for a lot of uh, a lot of different things. One of the things I'm most proud of is there's things called farm shares, right? These farmers, yeah. you know, they set aside part of their crop and they sell it uh, a share, in essence, of their crop uh, to the to the community, right? And uh, it it's not terribly expensive five six hundred dollars, sometimes eight hundred dollars, but. Uh, that's hard to come up with all at once, right? That's it's a lot of folks. So we we have had for many years a farm share loan, zero percent interest, right? For the families that can't afford to put a nutritious food in the mouths of their children, um, we'll front that money and they just pay it back over the next six months, right? And at zero percent, particularly now when you see you know car rates are in double digits in many cases, so. Um, that's a give back that I feel very strong about, and it's uh, it's helped um, it helped it's helped feed the poor a bit. And in this country, right, where you were talking about charities, but in this country, the most prosperous country in the world, yet we can't feed our hungry, we can't heal our sick, we can't educate our our poor. Um, that's where the charities come in. Yeah, that's where that's why it's so important. The things that you do. And the things that credit unions and banks, I mean, there's a lot of money uh, poured into these charities that are helping those that are truly uh, impoverished or uh, just having a tough time getting by. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Been a pleasure spending time with you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of See You Lead, brought to you by NetGiver, the no-fee donation platform for donors and nonprofits. 
We hope you stay engaged, stay inspired, and continue leading with purpose. Until next time.